You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm Lauren Collier, your host. If you have questions about your pet's health, you've come to the right place. On today's show, my guest is veterinarian Dr. Melissa Shapiro, who will answer some of you, our listeners' questions, and you'll find out about Dr. Shapiro's somewhat unusual practice. Stay tuned. My Dog Digs Dirt is coming right back. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with superabsorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. My Dog Digs Dirt is back. Please welcome my guest, Dr. Melissa Shapiro, who is the owner and founder of a somewhat unusual veterinary practice called the Visiting Vet Service. Very happy to have you here, doctor. I just love this idea. You come to the patient rather than them coming to the office. I bet you a lot of people uh, really appreciate this and a lot of pets as well. Yes, they do, actually. Um, I see a lot of older animals, lots of dogs that can't can't get out of the house anymore. But I also see many young puppies and kittens with people that just want to have a more personal, individualized type of vet. It's, it's for their for their animals. So is that how you decided to do this? Because you've been a vet for a long time, and you, uh, did you see a need for this? No, you know, it, it was a long time ago because I'm having my 26th anniversary this coming May of my wow! Um, congratulations! Oh, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> so, but I um I was looking to do something other than opening a practice, and there there was only one other vet doing house calls at the time, and it seemed like a really good idea. So I just started doing house calls and it, it within six months I had a full time house call practice. Oh, I bet. And the idea you know, the idea was catchy, but it, it also you know, there's there's a place for it. It's not for everybody and it's not for every animal because many aren't good house call patients. But I routine things, older animals, you know, there are places for it, but hospitals are still important for various diagnostics and procedures. So I work with an animal hospital out of one where I do those, you know, that aspect of the practice. Of course, if there was something that needed to have a follow-up, then they might have to go to the hospital. But for an initial uh, visit or you following up, I think this would be really helpful to some animals who are really afraid to go and also uh, folks that might have a hard time getting out of their homes. Yes, it does help. I don't have a mobile unit, which, you know, there are many, many vets that have a whole full-service mobile unit. So they do surgery and, and these sorts of things. I don't. I never did. And I like to keep it simple. I go to the house. I can do, you know, I can blood from animals. I don't have a tech normally, but traveling with me. But if I need, I do have someone that will come with me 
to do a little bit more than I can do just by myself on certain uh, dogs and cats. But for the most part, uh, you know, it works well. I Sometimes people leave the door open and I go in and take care of the animal myself. Wow. If someone's sick, we determine by phone earlier before we set up the house call whether it's something that should be seen at the hospital or not. So, you know, it's a mix and a match and it, it's worked really well because I've been doing it for a really long time. Over the past few years, I've been doing much, much more senior and special right. needs pet care in the house, which has worked out very, very well for so many people just end up not bringing them at all to the vet because they Absolutely. can't get them out of the house. They don't want to put an old dog through it, the travel and the stress and anxiety. And I go to the house and we can do so much for them in the house. And one of the things I do is when I walk in, I, I can scope out the living conditions and the environment that some of these really old arthritic dogs are subjected to. They are walking on really slippery floors. They can't even stand up to eat mm. because their, their feet are slipping out. And it's a simple fix. I just walk in and I say, hey, runners, carpeting, and people aren't even thinking in those terms. So I right. think just a simple thing like that, a house call makes a big difference. I think that's terrific. And you are a huge animal lover as well as being a vet. I know you rescued, there's at least six dogs you have, three house sparrows and even a disabled parrot. So you really uh, stand by what you do. I really respect that. I think it's it's wonderful. So you probably get asked questions all the time. I always think of uh, like a shrink with friends. They're like, will you help me? So I'm sure like when you're with people, they're like, can you tell me this question? Uh, we have questions uh, from our listeners. So I just want to go over a couple of those with you, Doc. Uh, the first sure. one is, what is a good comprehensive vet exam consist of? What would you say if somebody's going for that? What should they look for? Or what should they ask for? Well, you know, the, say the yearly checkup where you just, you know, you're going to go over everything. It's the yearly checkup like you would bring your child into the pediatrician. You first want to have a discussion. How is the pet doing? Eating well, drinking normally, not drinking too much urinating, you know, in the house versus outside, too much urine, too big spots in the kitty litter. These are indications that there are problems. So you have first a, a conversation, weight, has the weight changed, appetite, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things as you would with a person. Then I usually do a full exam. I start from the nose and I go work my way back and it can take anywhere from a few minutes to much more, much longer, depending on the uh, cooperation (laughs) of the (laughs) dog or the cat. And so, you know, looking at the teeth, the ears, the eyes, the gums, in the mouth, lymph nodes, heart, lungs, abdomen, feeling for masses, enlargement of various organs, looking at the skin, the musculature, is the muscle wasting, is, you know, just the general body condition normal for that age, have things changed since last year. I always do a rectal exam, which people kind of laugh about, but Ah. there are anal glands back there that can be full and infected, but also there are tumors that you would never know until they get very large. So if we find that sort of thing early, we can prevent problems later on. So that's what I do. Okay. And that's a full exam. And if there are vaccines to be given, you know, we do that. Preventatives for heartworm, various uh, the ticks and fleas. There are various products that we can use. And then, you know, just a, an overall plan for what's going to happen from here. What are you doing when you go home? Is, are, is there a special diet? Other accommodations that need to be made, maybe blood work. I always recommend doing yearly 
blood screen to look for changes in the liver and kidney values. Every mm-hmm. now and then we get a big surprise. I saw a dog the other day. He actually didn't feel good, but mm-hmm. he was having neck problems. I did a blood screen and found that his thyroid levels were very low and he's hypothyroid. Wow. So just at a blood exam that I was just looking, I was looking for other things. I yes. found something else to treat. So, you know, it's always a good idea to have baseline blood work and follow up year to year. Many veterinarians are doing titers for vaccines rather than giving vaccines for the viruses that we vaccinate for, and that's another option. Okay. So that, that would be that, something yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, say, you're saying that once a year would be a good idea. At least once a okay. year. You know, as the animals get older, it's really nice to do even more blood work. And I, I, try, I always feel guilty spending people's money. And, then, and uh-huh. then I think, you know what, we might be saving a right. life. But we and saving a lot of money when we find a disease that's treatable now and maybe not later. That on. you can right exactly. Okay, uh, here's another one. Should I give my dog flea medicine even though it seems toxic? Uh, flea I think that tick. was going to come up. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I think you need to weigh your options. I'm middle of the road. I have to be really honest. During the tick, the heavy tick seasons, I do give my dogs poison. And I call it poison because I'm giving mm-hmm. them chemicals. I can't bear the thought of seeing them get sick with Lyme or Olympia mm-hmm. or some of the other tick-borne types of diseases. You can be only so careful. You know, I have a backyard that's fenced. Their dogs are not in the woods, but there are animals still coming in. Mm-hmm. I walk my dogs on the street, and mm-hmm. I don't let them go into brush on the side of the road. We don't even go to a park. But those dogs that are going into the parks and have wooded areas where there are ticks, they are going to get ticks, and if mm-hmm. they're not doing something to prevent tick bites, I would say a large percentage of them are going to get sick with Lyme or Lickia. Mm. There is a Lyme vaccine. It's relatively effective. Some people don't want to give that because they don't want to over-vaccinate. So you need to kind of feel com- your comfort zone. There are lots of natural products that you can use. There's a terrestrial collar that works very nicely for some. I don't have a lot of experience with it. There are oral powders and supplements that can be given also to dissuade ticks from staying on the dog or cat. Everyone has their own uh, approach to this. I, you know, and, and by the way, the chemicals are not 100% effective either. You don't give them properly. Some animals are just so infested that, you know, you need to use sprays and other things. So I suggest talking to your veterinarian yeah, that's a and tough others one. that you trust. That's a tough one, yeah. Okay, how about this? Here's uh, one other before we go to break. Is dental work really needed? Ten years ago, my dog would, you just kind of let your dog go and they were fine. But now it seems like I keep getting pushed to get a dental exam and a cleaning. Do you feel that's really needed? Yes, it, it is absolutely necessary to have dogs just like a person or a cat have severe dental disease, predisposes them to all sorts of problems all sorts of infections just locally as well as up into the ducts and salivary glands that go up towards the face. You see eye infections and just poor general health. It hurts. Why would you want your dog or cat, even though they'll still eat with their teeth when they're just in the worst shape, they are having pain. Mm -hmm. So while good prophylactic care can prevent many from needing the anesthesia and the real dentistry, which does cost a lot of money and requires the anesthesia, there are things that can be done along the way, like brushing your dog's or cat's teeth. There are, this is controversial within the vet world, having, you know, the teeth scraped. 
and mm-hmm. scaled without anesthesia. But if you are only getting small amounts of tartar on the teeth, to give them a cleaning that way, there are people that travel around doing that. Some veterinarians mm-hmm. do it. That's helpful in between so that you can prolong the amount of time in between the anesthesia type of dentistry. Yeah. But once they get to a certain point and there are extractions that are needed, it's necessary. It's just a part of taking care of your dog or cat. Okay. All right. I mean, nobody likes going to the dentist, but I guess you got to go. All right. My dog takes dirt. We're going to take a short break, but Dr. Melissa Shapiro will be back with us from Visiting Vet Service, answering more of your questions right after this. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. The standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. Cortisol. Antihistamine. Multiple creams. Antibiotics. Spray. Multiple prescriptions. Steroid injections. Spray. Sharp antibiotics. Steroid cream. No results. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to take care of him and to give him the nutrition he needed. A nutritional supplement like Dynavite. To be the healthy, happy dog he is today. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Put some nutrition in your dog. The vet that I trust recommended Dynavite. The dog I have today, because of Dynavite, has a sparkle in his eye, a lush coat, healthy skin. When you rescue a dog... You've got to feed them right for life. Dynavite will make your dog a happy dog. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Nope. dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to My Dog Digs Dirt. We are here with Dr. Melissa Shapiro, who is answering some of your questions today. She is the founder of Visiting Vet Service. Thank you, doctor. You've been answering these questions. Very, very helpful. Here is another one that a listener sent in to me. Uh, How fat is too fat? And I must say, I have to relate with this because I have a Bouvier, which I talk about in Noki. She's 132 pounds, and I just think of her as big bone. But every time I go to the vet, she says she's got to lose weight. So what is your opinion, and how do you know if your dog is fat? Is there a test, or you just visually see it, or you know they're not active? What do you say to that? Well, first of all, having a fat dog or cat (laughs) is really unfortunate. There are many. I don't know why people need to have their animals fat and why they can't control how much food they're feeding them. Right. Somehow, we see a lot of obese animals. It is really bad for the joints. It's really bad for the metabolism and the whole, all the systems. We see diabetes. We see, you know, other illnesses related Mm. to being overweight. But the most important one that I think we see, especially as dogs and cats get older, is arthritis. And Mm. when they've got to lift up a big, heavy body, it's a lot more wear and tear and a lot more strain on their already compromised joints. So having them a normal way as they get older, when they aren't even going to be able to exercise well anymore, is really Mm. important. 
So the way that I test, for, you know, just, just as a rough test of weight, you know, how overweighted a dog or cat is, dogs in particular, if you just run your, your hands over the sides of the, the chest, okay. if you can get a hint that there are ribs there, you don't have right. to feel every notch on every bone, but if you can feel that there are ribs there, then your dog is probably the right weight. Once you lose the ribs, they're a little bit over. And once there's no waste at all, mm-hmm. then they're really fat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> really important uh. that you cut back. And one thing that's very, very important is not to put anyone on a crash diet, especially cats. Because okay. cats can end up with all sorts of liver problems, which are very serious when put on a crash diet. So you always need to work with a vet or veterinary nutritionist on weight loss for cats and also for okay. dogs, it would be helpful. Oh, that's good. Okay. And we have one more, and I, I, I'm listening, I promise. And it's about safety. Do you think that dog parks are safe, first of all? And for many, there are. So, you know, I mean, it's really broad. But the bigger question is, if you're walking your dog or you're at a dog park and your dog gets into a a fight with another dog or, you know, attacks your dog out of nowhere, what should you do? Is there a general rule here? Yes, I have a few suggestions. First of all, dog parks are great for the dogs that they're great for. But dog parks aren't for all dogs. And one of the problems is that people feel that it's their right to be at a dog park with a lot of dogs that shouldn't be at a dog park. Dogs that get aggressive, Mm -hmm. they are, you know, pushy, they get into clicks with other dogs. I don't even go to the dog parks with my dogs because, and I used to be an avid dog park person uh, long, long ago because I also don't want to deal with dogs that come running over, they're jumping on my dogs, they don't like it, it's a big hassle. So one of the things that I would suggest for people that do want to go is kind of have an idea of who's there and when. There are Mm -hmm. certain dogs that are there only at certain times during the day you might want to avoid. The other thing I would do is pack a noisemaker, you know, their little canisters that you can spray that make a loud noise or something to kind of ward off an attack once something's happening. You know, you need to be careful not to get in the middle of it because you will get bitten. So, you know... If you're in a yard, you know, say at a doggy daycare, they've got hoses and spray bottles. I mean, it's it's a bit of a hassle to go to a park with spray bottles, but those are things that can at least break up a fight and Mm -hmm. startle the dog that's that's initiating. Right. The other thing to do is use leashes. (laughs) But I mean, if your dog is like, if your dog is on a leash and the other isn't, you know. Yeah. It's tough because you don't know when it's going to happen. Exactly. So if you're there and you can see, I would just turn around and go walk the other way. Right. certainly pick up some dogs. I wouldn't have food in my pocket. One of mm-hmm. my dogs actually was attacked by a dog. And I think that the reason was that I had my little, my, one of my kids with me in a stroller and she had dog treats. And uh-huh. I think the other dog smelled the dog treats and then went after my dog. So uh-huh. that's something that happened to us. And okay. that was 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Would I, you suggest I, I taking I pepper spray or something like that or... I would be careful, you know, you don't want to injure someone else's dog, but I would, there are different kinds of sprays that are safe. There are the noisy, I don't know what the name of it is now I had. Okay. Um, But it's it's a red canister that you can spritz and it just makes a really loud noise, like an air horn. It might startle them. Yeah, I would, you know, I would do that kind of thing. If you put a small spray bottle in your pocket, you know, you're worried. But if it's a park that there's a lot of aggression, then I would just stay away. And people with small dogs in particular have to be really careful. Your dog is huge. So there's not many dogs that are going to do too much damage. But the smaller dogs, 
big dog, little dog encounters are very, very serious. You have to be so careful, yeah. So it, the other thing is I would be very careful about allowing your dog to go with pet sitters and dog walkers to park. That's a very good they point. Go with, they go with more than one dog, mm-hmm. and they, sometimes they go with six and let them off the leash, and your dog might get into a fight, and then they've got five other dogs on the side. And where are those dogs going? I think and that's a very so, good point. And, and make if you do go with somebody like that, because, you know, we're not trying to say that the dog walkers, there's anything wrong with them, but you really need to ask questions. Because I have seen dog walkers and the dogs are just, they just let them go. It's just, I never, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So you really have to. I have a client that the dog kept running off. She was injured two times at a park. And I finally uh, said to the owner, you know, enough already. Go find a, a daycare that's in a, in a building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good suggestion. She had six dogs. She left wow. them and off in the woods, and they yes. were running rampant. And I, I don't know. I don't think that's safe. I have a big problem with that. So I, I think it's really important to know who you're handing your dog off to and what exactly they're doing. And that's, that's another problem thing. in the dog parks because they have dogs that are out of, not under their control. There's too many per yeah. person. So those are, you know, there are parks with fenced areas, and there are safer ways to exercise your dogs than just, you know, going to just any dog park. Yeah, you have to really keep your eyes open. Okay, finally, I I know uh, this is a technique that you use in your practice. What do you think about laser therapy? Oh, I love my laser. <laughs> <laughs> I know you fact, like it, but I, where, I was having my own who, back who benefits from the it? Other day and, who, huh? who benefits from it? What type of dog uh, might seek that out as a treatment well, or cat? First of all, other dogs, I use my own laser for myself. And so mm-hmm. I know it works really well because I have back problems. And when it's really bad, I use the laser. So I I personally have experienced it. So I have an idea of how to use it and how to work it. Most of the dogs that I use it on are older, arthritic, mm-hmm. usually larger dogs. Not always, but most of them either have back or hip problems, sometimes knees. And after six treatments over three weeks, people are very usually very, very comfortable saying, it has helped. Wow. One, one example, a 15-year-old shepherd mix that I take care of that has terrible arthritis. She was having trouble. We started her on medication, some supplements. She takes adequate injections. And then she was continuing to get worse to the point that she didn't want to walk down the stairs, which are carpeted. Uh-huh. And it's only about five stairs. So I started right. doing the laser. And when she has her laser treatments, it lasts just so long. Usually I go every few weeks now to give her her laser treatments. She doesn't hesitate to go down the stairs anymore. Oh, that's so great. So it's very noticeable to the owners that it is definitely helping. And they can wow. see when, it's, when she needs another treatment. And I've had other, other situations like that where people just, it's usually subtle. It doesn't make the, the old dog into a two-year-old dog. But right. it gives them relief and sort of, it just makes them a little bit, move a little bit easier, get up and down a little bit easier. Sometimes if, if there's an injury, the injury can be, you know, resolved. And the mm-hmm. laser will help. Also, we use the laser for various infections and anal gland abscesses in particular. I have found it to be very, very helpful for a chronic anal gland irritation. We use it for that, and it will keep things more settled than it's shocking how much better the the dogs feel. And then also different wounds. You have a wound and it's sewn up. The laser will help it heal more quickly. So... I'm using it more and more. I just got a new laser, which is called a K laser is the brand, and I've been overly impressed with it. So I don't mind pushing it. 
Oh, Noel, we're, we're happy, you know, to hear your opinion, and it's terrific. And uh, once again, yes. Dr. Melissa Shapiro, where can people find you? I know you're really basically in Connecticut, but and it's the Visiting Vet Service. But let us know how we can I, get in touch with you. Well, I have a website, which is visitingvetservice.com. And on there is my contact information. So I, I work mostly in lower Fairfield County, Norwalk, uh, well, probably Fairfield down through, you know, lower into Stamford and Greenwich. And then I also have Your Senior Pets Vet, which also has a website called YourSeniorPetsVet.com. And that is the service that I have. It's a subdivision, really. It's the same. It's just me of my regular house call practice that caters really toward senior and special needs pets. So both websites have all the information to contact me through email, mshapirodvn at gmail. And then I have phone numbers, and I'm happy to, you know, help is looking. Fantastic. You're a huge help. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. So I thank you so much. Once again, thank Dr. Melissa Shapiro, thank you so much from the visitingvetservice.com. And thank you, all of you out there, for listening and for your questions. Please continue to email me. I'm Lauren Collier. This has been My Dog Digs Dirt. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.